Hey everyone. At the beginning of each year, we find ourselves reflecting in the mirror of our work. Every journey requires self-encounter along the way. In 2023, we published 40 investment insights, 10 interviews, and 39 notes to self. A total of 89 reflections. We also hosted 11 in-person events, including dinners in Toronto, Greenwich, New York, Miami, Singapore, London, and Palo Alto. This is our year in review. As we enter 2023, our conviction was that the equity market correction ended on October 12th, leading to a resumption of the secular bull market towards new highs. By examining the shale experience from 2010 and 2020, we glimpsed another tech bull run. At the lows last October, the AAII sentiment survey showed bearness had reached more extreme than during the depths of the pandemic or the global financial crisis and it matched with the bottom of the awful bear market that followed the dot-com bust and lasted two and a half years. Amidst prevailing pessimism, we asked, what's right with the world? To get our mind traveling in an altogether different direction. When prices are moving contrary to general expectations, our minds get stuck or mired in worry. If we have already convinced ourselves of a bear market, we are unlikely to change our outlook until the new bullish trend becomes too obvious to ignore. We wrote, with eyes wide shut, most people don't expect to see what they're not looking for. We encourage you to open your eyes. A year from now, we'll wonder, what's wrong with people? Why wasn't anyone buying when prices were low? The Canadian poet Anne Carson once said, To live past the end of your myth is a perilous thing. We also question whether the American myth was unraveling. Pax Americana, is it really over? How safe are the dollar and U.S. treasuries? We found it intriguing that gold was priced at $1,900 in 2011 while the dollar index was at 72. Gold was now trading around the same level even though the dollar had risen more than 40% from the lows. What does gold know that we don't, we wondered. Recommending buying gold and Bitcoin, its digital equivalent. Gold finished the year up 11% while Bitcoin rose 159%. We were also bullish on Coinbase, which gained 440%. In February, we provided an update on the investment zeitgeist of the decade, the race to zero emissions. Russia's war on Ukraine acted like an accelerant under the energy transition theme, we wrote. The global commitment is unprecedented, and a flood of spending on renewable energy is on its way. Energy was the best performing equity sector for the past two years. We expected this to change. We liked commodity miners Alcoa, down 24% in 2023, Freeport McMoran, up 12%, and US Steel, up 92%. Energy stocks were flat in 2023. We also noted that the world has finally realized that a substantially larger nuclear component is required for an orderly, economical, and politically viable transition to zero carbon electricity. This is good for uranium equities. Uranium prices are in their third structural bull market since the 1970s and rose 72% in 2023. Uranium stocks gained 47%. Meanwhile, what happened to the assured recession which most models, surveys, and leading indicators were pointing to? Almost every economist concurred. The Fed's inflation-fighting exercise will end badly. We were reminded of Humphrey Neal's potent advice. When everybody thinks alike, everyone is likely to be wrong. Despite the fastest monetary tightening in four decades, we focused on the distinct demand dynamics of the auto and construction industries, 
which were disrupting the patterns normally associated with a recession. In the construction industry, there were nearly twice as many job openings as there were in the mid-2000s. And the service sector, which makes up 80% of total employment, remained underemployed. The labor market looked strong. At our Greenwich dinner, we learned that a chat GPT answer uses 100 times the computing power as a Google search, and OpenAI's compute usage could be compounding at 50% per month. This created an opportunity in data center semiconductors. We discussed the bullish case for NVIDIA, AMD, and Marvel. In March, we examined whether the structural shift in global energy markets has already begun. What if oil is starting to price in a negative demand shock from the global energy transition, we inquired. The booming market for electric vehicles will reduce oil demand substantially and weigh on prices much sooner than most expect. We presented a bullish case for Chinese EVs. Despite BYD and NIO facing declines of 24 and 11 percent, Xpeng and Li Auto recorded gains of 35 and 58 percent, respectively. Silicon Valley Bank's collapse in March marked the second largest bank failure in U.S. history after Washington Mutual in 2008. We viewed it as a continuation of the Silicon Valley bubble unwind. Would it lead to an economy-wide credit crunch? Our thinking was that it won't. We wrote, At the end of the day, in this crisis, banks don't have bad assets. They're not busy rebuilding their balance sheets. There's no shortage of deposits in the banking system. There's no concern about credit risk. Delinquency rates across all categories are historically low. Just because the knives are out in Silicon Valley does not mean that consumers and businesses across America won't have access to credit. The economy will be just fine. As you often say, our job is not to predict the future, it's to see the present clearly. While many economists believe that the Fed won't be able to restrain inflation without triggering a recession, we stood by our view in April that inflation will return to levels that will be acceptable to policymakers and will do so without significant job losses. Over the last year, economic growth has remained strong while inflation has declined by two-thirds, and unemployment is below 4% for the longest stretch in 50 years. Core PCE inflation has increased at an annual rate of 1.87% over the last six months. It is more valuable to consider why we aren't currently in a recession, rather than nervously dreading one, we wrote. Despite the fastest rate hike cycle since the 1980s, Interest rates are scarcely restrictive, with nominal GDP growth running above 7%. In May, while consensus expected negative economic growth for the rest of the year, we argued that the US economy is not recession-bound. Falling consumer demand precedes falling labor demand. We're just not there yet, and likely won't be for many quarters, we said. Interest rate sensitivity for the consumer and corporate sector is historically low. The strangest aspect from our travels and conversations was that many VC and fundamental long-shot managers who never found much use of macroanalysis or market timing as an input were now obsessed with both. Historian Cyril Parkinson, who coined a thing called Parkinson's Law of Triviality, states that the amount of attention a problem gets is the inverse of its importance. Given everyone's attention on macro, the Fed, inflation, politics, we wondered maybe it matters less? But the travels also allowed me to test some new ideas. In London in July, the macro community was decidedly bearish, and I encountered considerable resistance regarding our belief that the next big directional move in US 10-year bond yields is still higher towards 5%. No one was imagining that. What if the term premium reverts to normal levels? What if Japan scraps its yield curve control policy? 
What if we see more upside than downside growth surprises? We posited. The market will force investors out of recessionary trades and EM carry positions. The pain trade is higher yields and dollar. The EM carry trade was popular and had done very well up to this point. Most EM countries started hiking before the Fed in this cycle and hiked rates even more significantly, so yields were quite attractive. But over the next three months, the Brazilian real and Mexican peso declined 7% and 9% respectively. Over the summer, Wall Street strategists, who were bearish all year, started revising up their 2023 targets. Remarkably, however, 18 of the two dozen houses covered by Bloomberg's regular survey still expected the S&P 500 to fall by the end of the year. Feeling lost, confused and uncertain is as much a hallmark of investing as is clarity, conviction and a sense of calm. We were confused why institutional investors were sitting out this bull market. Though many defensively positioned investors had been forced to pair back bearish wagers, we believed many more will be forced to chase gains as the bull market unfolds. In September, we discussed the ever-growing wall of worry. We were only concerned about a recession at the start of the year, we wrote. Now the bricks are piled so high that it blocks sight of the ongoing secular bull market. After two vicious sell-offs in a three-year period, early 2020 and 2022, investors dread a recurrence and will take every precaution to prevent it. So the wall just serves as a defense mechanism. Only 27% of JP Morgan clients planned on increasing their equity exposure, which was lower than the number of people at last year's October market bottom. This is despite the S&P 500 gaining 16%. Such pessimism is uncommon. We had already priced in a lot of future fears, so worrying is counterproductive. When the 10-year yield went from 2.7% to 3.7% between April and September 2022, the S&P 500 fell 19%. Now that yields had moved from 3.7% in May to 5% in October, the S&P 500 was flat. The more interesting question was, why aren't stocks weaker? We simultaneously approached 25-year resistance levels for 10-year yields in the US, UK, France and Germany. With inflation downshifting and central bank tightening cycles coming to an end, we turned bullish on bonds. The US 10-year yield peaked on October 19 at 5% and is down 110 basis points to 3.9%. In November, now that it had been three months since the last Fed rate hike, we began to contemplate what comes next. Revisiting Alan Greenspan's activist monetary policy in the mid-1990s, we anticipated that the Fed can deliver some insurance cuts next year to refocus on growth after inflation has subsided. This would be bullish signal and it would be foretold by declining bond yields. We said, the S&P 500's forward PE reached 20 in July and is at 17.5 now. Can we return to 20 with the Fed delivering insurance cuts? I think so. The S&P 500's forward earnings bottomed in January at $227. Now the estimate for the next 12 months is $242. Combining the two, you can see how we can get to new highs in the coming year. We think that the Fed will catch markets off guard by swiftly reducing interest rates in the first quarter, possibly by 50 basis points by March. But we also expect that the Fed will deliver less relief than markets expect in 2024. The Fed's institutional memory of fighting inflation may loom large in determining the appropriate monetary policy stance and obviate the desire for deep rate cuts, we wrote in December. We expect no more than 75 basis points of insurance cuts, enough to give the economy a boost again. Stocks and bonds will suffer once it becomes clear that the Fed will provide significantly less accommodation than what the markets anticipate. Deciding when to adopt a more defensive stance will pose the main challenge in 2024.
Now is not the time. Community Wisdom We held exclusive talks with the smartest and brightest minds in our community across a range of topics, including macro, geopolitics, AI, and tech, China, and a good dose of introspection. Although a multipolar world is dangerous, Marco Papic, partner at Clock Tower Group, reminded us to refrain from linearly extrapolating geopolitical disequilibrium into global conflict. There's opportunity in great power competition. First, we had the Anglo-German naval race, then the Soviet-American nuclear race, and now the US-China AI arms race. This is bullish for semis. Because of the inherent future uncertainty, the inefficiencies at the heart of macro investing are permanent. Most of the data required is publicly available. The differentiating factor is the ability to analyze and thematically organize the information into coherent theories. Nele Patel, Deputy CIO of Taman Asia, helped us to ruminate contrarily on the state of the global economy and markets, directing our thoughts in ways that were counterintuitive yet promised to make us wiser. After seven years of hostility, Iran and Saudi Arabia put aside the differences to re-establish diplomatic relations. We traveled in time to understand how we got here and explore the implications. We were eagerly awaiting a new Middle East equilibrium that strengthens the peace, security and future of the whole region. Every decade sees a new cycle of technological innovation. In the 1970s, it was personal computers and the microprocessor. In the 1980s, it was a modern operating system. The 1990s saw the introduction of the internet. The transition from desktop to mobile occurred in the 2000s. And the 2010s saw the emergence of software and cloud computing. In the 2020s, artificial intelligence has taken over. We discuss the AI boom, breakthroughs, and beyond. The toughest challenge a man can face is raising his children well. However, many men unfortunately fall short in this endeavor. When it comes to parenting, as in professional life, nobody sets out to fail. Why then do some fathers succeed in this crucial task while others do not? We shared parenting wisdom from the book Successful Fathers by James B. Stenson. Why would you invest in a country that has a shrinking working age population, a leader for life, harsh regulatory crackdowns, disappearing billionaires, a slow motion property cash, a hefty burden of national debt, cash rich consumers who refuse to spend, unprecedented sanctions, and a constant threat of military confrontation. Louis Gab, CEO of GabCal Capital, attempted an answer. We still had more questions. Why did China dispel Confucianism and adopt communism? What fascinated Chinese leaders about Marxist beliefs? How is China still haunted by its past? What can we learn from the tales of imperial China? What do we know about Xi Jinping? What is a 25-year-old Chinese thinking? Do dark times lie in wait? Political theorist Wang Huning in 1991 diagnosed America's problem as a radical nihilistic individualism at the heart of modern American liberalism. How would he diagnose China's present-day problems? Alice Wang, portfolio manager at Quero Capital, joined us for the most insightful, thought-provoking, and heartfelt discussion on China you'll ever come across. As artificial intelligence unmistakably asserts its transformative prowess, reshaping entire industries in its wake, we were prompted to reassess our understanding of the enormous implications AI's growing influence holds for our technological and economic future. Glenn Catcher, CIO of Light Street Capital, explained why AI is still underhyped. What matters in how our children turn out can have everything to do with how we turn out as parents. How can we break from ingrained patterns and cultivate the ability to perceive our children for who they are and who they can become? We shared lessons from Shefali Sabari's book, The Conscious Parent. In The Money Game, George Goodman writes, The end object of investment is serenity. 
and serenity can only be achieved by the avoidance of anxiety. And to avoid anxiety, you have to know who you are and what you're doing. Who better than Morgan Housel, author of The Psychology of Money, to provide insights and unravel the layers of wisdom within this quote? Community matters. I say this a lot. Share Reflections owes its existence to the active engagement and collaboration of our community. It thrives on the valuable exchange of ideas that not only helps us comprehend the world around us, but also compels us to keep coming back for more. The kindness and wisdom accumulated over the years simply by being present with each other has left a profound impact on me. As we embark on 2024 with new hopes and aspirations, I'd like to share the following passage from Alvin Pang's What Gives Us Our Names. It was a special birthday. So many friends and well-wishers gathered to mark the occasion. Service and commitment were first on the scene to get everything ready. Generosity took care of the catering. Inspiration provided music. Patience said she'd clean up afterwards and persistence made sure everyone was notified about the party. The room they were in was just the right temperature and decked with colorful balloons, wonderful toys and intriguing books, kindly supplied by memory. Soon compassion arrived, bearing flowers and those deep questions of hers that both demonstrated and paved the way for love. Clarity brought candles, videos and the necessary hush so everybody could be heard. Many old friends got reacquainted, awkwardly at first and then with greater warmth. Purpose embraced Joy, who brought her two children, daring and dreaming. Regret caught up with learning and maturity. Imagination and discipline promised to keep in touch more often. And when the old photos, stories and jokes were shared around, even duty and pride could not help but laugh. Presently, everyone noticed their host in the room. Looking as rosy as ever and none the worse for his age except a few strands of grey and a slight paunch. A fine mentor, he had taught everyone the difference between I and we and how them becomes us. Then all the gathered friends sat in a circle, raised their glasses and toasted the one whose presence, sympathy and quiet advice had meant so much over the years. The one they all knew as community. Thank you for being an important part of what we're building. May God bless you with love that knows no bounds, joy that fills your heart, and contentment that brings peace to your soul. Thank you for listening.